chapter 1. So uh, um, I want to give you guys a little bit of a, uh, of a heads up um, uh, before we get into our sermon today. A number of you know uh, Joyce, who was in the hospital in Chippewa Falls. I know a number of you went to, to see her. Um, I got a text last night that she was not uh, doing well and went up to see her in the hospital last night and was actually there again uh, this morning. And they have decided to remove all uh, external uh, life, life support. Uh, so she, at this moment, uh, I'm aware of, is, is you know, still alive, but uh, it's probably going to be the nurses and doctors are saying, uh, you know, hours to a, a, a day or so. Uh, they would be really surprised if it was much longer than that. So uh, I would like us to um, go ahead and be praying for Joyce and for Z, our sister from Chicago. Um, but, um, you know, as hard as something like this is, you know, Joyce was baptized into Christ in our Milwaukee uh, sister fellowship a number of years ago and walked faithfully with God. She's been in the hospital for about seven years. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a rough go. So as sad as this is, uh, I believe this is a victory in Christ, amen, uh, because of Christ, and she's in Christ, and Christ, where, O oh, death, is your victory, right? Uh, uh, the victory is with Jesus. So but let's go ahead and say a prayer uh, for her and for uh, the family at, at, this, at this moment. God, thank you so much for giving us, uh, bringing us together as a family uh, to worship you, to uh, read your scriptures in all different kinds of languages, to pray to you, to sing to you, to fellowship with one another, to listen to your word, your message from the book of Acts today as we summarize uh, what your message is. Uh, I pray that we can have ears that hear, hearts that will listen, minds that are engaged to think and interact with you, interact with your word, your spirit, and uh, that it will really produce the change uh, that it is designed to in us. Father, I do want to say a special prayer uh, this moment for uh, Joyce in the hospital. God, uh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him so that these moments can be uh, not just sad and fearful and hopeless, but that these moments can be filled with uh, our faith and trust in you. Uh, that even though we walk through these, the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. Because we believe that in Christ, nothing can uh, touch us, nothing can stop the love that you have for us, including death. Because of the, the resurrection of Jesus and us joining in that life while we're alive on earth through repentance and faith and baptism, Father, we can have the confidence that uh, our eternity is secure. So be with Joyce, uh, be with Z and the, and the rest of the children, uh, be with us as we attempt in our, the best way we know how to minister to them your word and your comfort uh, during this time. We love you, God, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, today is the last day of our sermon series in the book of Acts, and we started this sermon series in January, and it's December, and we're going to wrap it on up. So we finished the, the last text last week in Acts chapter 28, and so today the message we're going to attempt to summarize uh, the book of Acts. So we're just going to read from Acts chapter 1, verse 1, through Acts 28, 
the whole thing. I'm just kidding. Um, that, would be a, that would be a feat. Um, so no, we're going to summarize. We're going to draw out some themes. Hopefully most of this will be a review or a reminder of what we've learned. But uh, um, it's a, a call to us of why the book was written and how we can, as 21st century church, uh, learn from and imitate the first century church, okay? But first I want to read uh, from um, one of my favorite commentaries on the book of Acts now, um, a summary paragraph of the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is important for its historical record. Luke began outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost in the honeymoon period of the Spirit-filled community, which was abruptly terminated by the opposition of the Jewish authorities. He goes on to describe the transition stage in which the foundations were laid for the Gentile mission by Stephen's martyrdom and Philip's evangelism, the conversion of Saul and Cornelius, and the founding of the first Greek church in Antioch. From this international city and church, the worldwide Christian mission was launched. Paul and Barnabas evangelized Cyprus and Galatia. The Council of Jerusalem acknowledged the legitimacy of Gentile conversion. Europe was reached during the second missionary journey, including Athens and Corinth, and Ephesus on the third. Then Paul was arrested in Jerusalem, and this was followed by a series of court trials, his appeal to Caesar, and a long sea voyage to Rome, the city of his dreams. There Luke leaves him for his own rented house, but unrestricted in his preaching of the gospel. Without the acts, we could not have reconstructed the course of Paul's intrepid missionary career or known how the gospel spread to the strategic cities of the Roman world. So there you go. That's the book of Acts. But there's so much more than just what happened. Amen? It's how did this happen? Why did this happen? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to read here the thesis statement so to speak, of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, and we're going to go from there. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. This is uh, sort of the thesis statement that we see the book of Acts launch out into. Uh, the apostles are told, I'm leaving you, please don't do anything. <laughs> I, I love Je Jesus loved the apostles. He believed in them, chosen them. He knows that without the Spirit, these people do one really well. And that's mess it up. <laughs> okay? Um, and so he's like, stay, stay, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you. But when he comes on and into you, you will receive power. You will receive power. And the theme of our whole series has been ordinary to embolden the Spirit's power working in and through us. 
okay? So hopefully you'll remember that for the rest of your life. Ordinary to embolden the Spirit's power in and through us. That is the book of Acts. You know, uh, I have a question. There's a question uh, in Acts chapter 5 I want to read that I'm going to frame the rest of our sermon around. This is one of my favorite parts of uh, the book of Acts. This is when the apostles are being persecuted for preaching the gospel, and they're, they don't know what, to, you know, the, 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 the priests are all over them. They're gonna, they want to kill them and this sort of thing. And Gamaliel, an old Jewish rabbi, steps in who, and brings in some wisdom into the situation. Gamaliel really isn't necessarily even uh, a disciple at this moment, but he says in verse 38, chapter 5, he asks a question. Or he makes a comment, he says, In the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not overthrow them. Or else you may even be found fighting against God. The question in Gamaliel's mind was, is this of men or is it of God? And I think that's a great question for us to ask ourselves today. Amen? That's a great question for you to ask yourself and your mission, in your uh, uh, life's work. Is it of men or is it of God? If it's of men, then it's only a matter of time before it dies out. But if it is of God, you can do whatever you can try to think of to stop these men. You can kill them. You can persecute them. You can command them not to teach or preach any longer in this name. You can reject them. You can put them on a cross. You can put them in a grave. But if it is of God, it will not be stopped. And we believe and see that it was of God. And so it was not stopped. Amen? The Jews tried to stop it. The Romans, uh, 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 they put Paul in jail. They stoned Stephen. All these kinds of things. The whole end of the book of Acts, Paul is in prison. Literally, he's under house arrest. But the word of God continued to not be stopped. And the book just ends kind of a, in the middle of an episode, so to speak. To be continued. And guess what has not stopped since this time? Christianity has not stopped. Are you with me? It's spread all over the world. There's more Christians or, or those who hold to the Christian religion and worldview than other on the face of the planet. Because it is of, men, of God, it is not stopped. Are we as a church, are we of men or are we of God? I hope and pray that we are of God. Amen? Well, I want us to look at a few things that are essential in the book of Acts that we have drawn out that I want to summarize to make sure that we are not of men, but that we are of God. To what, what did that look like for the Spirit's power to be at work in their generation, in this church? And what must it look like for us, amen, for us to be, for, for us to be if Gamaliel were to ask us this question today, are you of men or are you of God? That we would, our answer not on our own idea, but on the witness of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit found in Jesus' church, okay? 
So let's talk about these things. The first, I have five points for us today. Okay, number one, Jesus, are we of men or are we of God? We are of God if Jesus is our king in, in all his power. Secondly, if the word is our foundation. Thirdly, if the family is the context. Four, if the mission is the point, Jesus' mission. And number five is if we are a house of prayer and unceasing power. Okay? So Jesus is king of all power. Jesus is king. Jesus had resurrected. Jesus had died. And let me, let's go over to uh, Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts doesn't start with the church. It starts with Jesus. Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The first account I compose, this is Luke. He says, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Okay? All that Jesus began to do and teach, that's the book of Luke. All that Je Jesus continues to do and teach, that's the book of Acts. So like, wait, I thought Jesus went to heaven. Uh-huh. But that doesn't mean Jesus stopped doing and teaching. Are you with me? And we know that by the resurrection. We know that the tomb is empty, that he was raised to life, and he lives today. All that he did and teach in the book of Acts, all that he's doing and teaching today. Because he hasn't died. Amen? Okay. So the, resur the resurrection proves that Jesus is who he said he was. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. In other words, he's the boss. He's the boss. He's the big boss. He's the boss of bosses. All right? He is Lord. He is king. Uh, Jesus is king of all power. If, as a church, we lose Jesus as our king, as our Lord, as the head of the body, then we are not a church. We are not his body. If he's not the head, we ain't the body. You cut off the body, the head from the body, you, and it's not going to work well. Please don't try that. You just can know. Okay? Jesus is king in all power. Our church is not our church. It's Jesus' church. As the minister, I am not the leader of the church. Jesus is the leader. It's my job simply to do what he says, how he says it, when he says it, to try to discern that, and then we work together. Amen? Amen. Okay? Uh, Jesus is ruling authoritatively. Our culture doesn't like authority very well. We kind of wince at authority, and parents try to uh, build a home, a lot of times in a non-authoritative fashion. Okay? And, and that doesn't work very well. Okay? Don't tell as a parent, this is not a parenting class, but as a parent, you don't tell little Johnny who's three years old. I really would appreciate it if you would like to consider not uh, running out into the middle of the street. Please, maybe? Like, I don't know. I, that's not how you parent if you're a loving parent. Say, Johnny, don't run out into, you know, I was driving to the hospital this morning, and there's like traffic lights, right? And there's traffic rules. And how much authority do we like the traffic rules to have? Because when I came up to a red light, I submitted to that light's authority. It said, stop. I interpreted the redness of the light and its message through proper hermeneutics. 
and I thought red means stop, and so the, put the down to my foot pedal and hit the brake, and it stopped. Okay, so everyone was, everything was working according to authority. And then the light went green, and so I interpreted that, and my brain sent a message, and I switched over to the gas pedal, and I started to go. Well, guess what happened? There was another car who didn't like the light's authority, and it was coming the other way because the light told that car to stop, but it had kind of an attitude toward authority. It was postmodern in its belief system. It said, that truth may be true for you, but it's really not true for me. Therefore, I'm just going to continue to charge through the intersection because I'm not big on obeying. And at that point, I almost ended up in the hospital next to Joyce instead of ministering to Joyce. But thank goodness my head sent a message to my foot to slam on the brake and veer to the right. And she veered a little to the left and went on her merry little teenage driver way. <laughs> so that's a little antidote of youth. You really want to respect authority. If you want to respect the green light, red light authority in your world, you better super duper important respect the spiritual authority, which is Jesus, King of Kings. Are you with me? You think you got a better way? Well, I can really like that narrow road type attitude he has. Well, the Bible says repent and be baptized for forgiveness of sins, but I'd rather just say a little prayer. It's quicker and easier that way. Who do you think you are? You're not the authority. The church must have Jesus as its authority for us to be of God. Okay, Jesus is still ruling authoritatively, and he's always working. Okay, let's move on. Two, the word of God is the foundation of the church. The word of God is just the foundation of the power of the spirit. Okay? Um, can you... Uh, I want to show that uh, um, Bible chart of the sermon. Oh, I'm so grateful for Ellen. Uh, anyways, uh, the book of Acts, there's all kinds of sermons. There's 15 sermons in the book of Acts. And there, there you see them. Uh, I think there's about seven by Paul, a lot by Peter, and then James, and then Stephen. Okay? And there's the, the, the preacher, the audience, the, the point. Uh, etc. But the church in the book of Acts is filled with the word of God. Now these are the apostles. Uh, there was apostolic authority. Okay, um, We're not apostles today, but we have the word of God today. Okay, And so the foundation of the church, the foundation of your life must be the word of God. How you think the way you think, what helps you feel the way you feel, what motivates you, what puts boundaries around your actions and inactions, all must be the word of God. Then the power of God uh, comes through. Are you with me? Uh, bold preaching is all through the book of Acts. Um, Paul, Ephesians 6. Uh, we see Paul as a very bold preacher. And uh, one of the secrets you see here in Ephesians 6, verse 19, he says this as he's ending this letter. He says, and pray on my behalf 
that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am in, an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Every one of us ought to speak boldly. The Spirit of God in us, the Word of God in our mouths, we ought to speak boldly. I don't know about you, but I don't like boldness. And naturally, I'm not a very bold person at all. Super fearful, super timid, uh, just a mess. But if the Spirit of God comes on us, that all those issues need to go bye-bye because there's something far more important than our little fears. It's the Word of God, and it must be preached boldly. That doesn't mean you just yell a lot. That doesn't mean you're irritating on the street corner holding up your Jesus sign. There's a lot of things that doesn't mean, but there's some things that it does mean, and you got to figure that out. You are called to preach boldly to your neighbors, to your coworkers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the most bold sermon is how we live our life. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Amen? That's a famous quote. But if you never use any words, you're probably timid in holding back, Okay? And that is a problem. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 29, we see the church. So it's not just the leaders, not the preachers that need to be bold. Because the church is not just them. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it says, the church comes together and says, uh, in the face of persecution, beatings, floggings, death, um, we, you know, we, we, don't fa we face a little rejection from our classmates, and we tend to hold back. Um, these guys face much more. And it says, and now, verse 29, And now, Lord, take grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence or with all boldness, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Does that describe us? Does that describe us? Let's have it describe us. Amen? We pray for boldness and we see the earth shake. Okay. Uh, the word of God is the foundation of this power. So there's bold preaching, but there's also reverent obedience. So we need to be hearers and doers of the word in order to be communicators of the word effectively. Amen? So reverent obedience, fear of God. Uh, we tremble at the word of God, Isaiah 66, verse 2. Um, in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, the apostles said, we must obey God rather than men. By the way, why am I saying obedience to God? You know, it's real common in 21st century to open up the Bible and to talk about the Bible and to think about the Bible and to write blogs about the Bible, but we don't obey the Bible. Are you with me? And so we must be a group that says, hey, if the Bible says to do it, I'm going to do it. Well, why? Because the Bible says, and that's enough for me. Well, I need deeper motivation and reason and wisdom as far as why. I don't. If the Bible says do it, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it perfectly, but the Bible says something really, it's super hard to understand. Love your neighbor. Okay. I think we don't need a degree to 
figure out what that means. <laughs> we need to figure out how to obey that. Okay, love our neighbors. All right. So um, in Acts chapter 5, verse 32, the Holy Spirit whom God... Let's, let's read this verse about obeying the word. It says, and, and we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who believe in him, to those who trust in him, those who like him, liked him, God. I'm a God liker on Facebook, you know. <laughs> to those who, no, to those who obey him. Obey him. So this is where the rubber meets the road of our faith, is what are we doing? Okay, so the word of God, it's bold preaching and it's reverent obedience is where the power of the Spirit comes through. Okay, number three, family is the context. So we see in the church, we see in the book of Acts that the church is not a religious group that says, hey, handshake on Sunday. It's not a Christmas and Easter fellowship, okay, uh, where we got to go to get our duty in of religiousness so I don't go to hell, right? That's not what we see. In the book of Acts, we see family being the context. The family of God is the context. So the church looks and acts and feels and behaves like a family. Amen? It should smell like family. It looks like family. It uh, uh, tastes like family. It has the aura of, hey, this is a family. That's why when people come into our church, and I call it family, but they kind of just... It's like, oh, is it, it's, a, it's a family. It's like, you know what? No one told you that, but it just smelt like that. When I say smell, I mean, you know what I mean, the aroma of Christ. I don't mean like, okay? Family is the context. They, we see in the Acts an incredible commitment togetherness. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. All those who had believed were together. Just think about that. 3,000 had been baptized. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And they were all together. Togetherness. This morning we're together. We come together to meet. My family, we have a family night in our week and we come together. Well, I got, you know, my... Friends want to come to a movie. No, it's family time. Well, my blah, 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 blah. No. <laughs> and that, now that they've kind of learned not even to ask anymore. Sunday night, it's family. It's family time. Okay? And I'm sure all their friends are, like, irritated. Why can't you hang out on Sunday night? Because my dad's a big, mean dad. <laughs> it's family time. We're a family. We come together. Now, we don't, it's not... Every night, that's that way. Amen? Because you do need to have friends. As <laughs> uh, hard as it is, as it is. Um, uh, but there's certain times where we got to come together. The church came together. Verse 46 says, Every continued to meet together with glad and sincere hearts. Boy, there's a whole sermon. They, they were met together. How often? Every day. Every day they were together. Wait a second. I thought we just went to church on Sunday. Well, you thought from a context that it's not the book of Acts. The context of the book of Acts is family. Every day, they continue to make it. Oh, man, if I had to go to church every day, talk about drudgery. Actually, it says 
that they came with glad and sincere hearts. So they were actually enjoying this. What? Enjoying church? I enjoy a lot of things. Church would be low on my list. I thought that way for many years. And then I became a disciple, and I was like, I can't wait to get to Bible talk, to get to church. Um, it's so much, so much fun. Um, there's just such good jokes told all the time. Good jokes, by the way, Caleb and, uh, um, and uh, Alec really dressed up for church today. It's really nice. Um, okay, uh, he's, he's in the choir, actually, at the university. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, Hebrews 10, 25 gives us a very, very stern warning about slipping on this habit of meeting together. It says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is judgment day. So in other words, upcoming, matter of fact, uh, we should be encouraging each other, meeting together. The depth of our connections should be growing deeper as the day of judgment is coming. Don't get in the habit of missing times together. If you, it, no one's saying you can't ever miss, okay? That's, that would just be weird and unrealistic. But if you're in the habit of missing, then you're draining the Spirit's power from our church, okay? Your presence is important and needed and essential for us to function as we are called to function. There's times when you need to miss, and don't feel guilty about those times, but when you need to miss for lame-o reasons, you should feel extremely guilty. Amen? That's a gift from God to stop you from doing that. Okay. All right. Amen? All right. And glad and sincerely do this. Okay. And the family is devoted to its needs, physical needs, the poor. We see the family of God taking care, the Gentile Christians taking care of the poor Jewish Jerusalem disciples. Isn't that amazing? Paul traveled all this, all this money and taking care of the widows in Acts chapter 6. The church took care of the widows. You know, I don't know Joyce hardly from Adam. I don't know Z, but Z, they are sisters in Christ. And I have to take care of the hour of need. And Heather is up there taking care, singing Amazing Grace because Joyce loves it. And once Heather starts singing, she starts crying. Okay, um, we must take care of one another. And because I had to be up there, there's all these kinds of things I was supposed to do that I couldn't do. So I sent out this mass text and I got it. Tim's got this. Craig's got this. Christy's got this. You know, it's all. And it's a team taking care of whatever's needed. Isn't that awesome? That's the family. That's what a family does. The emotional needs of acceptance, importance, being valued. When we're hurting, we're there for each other. Spiritual needs of discipling, encouragement, ministry, mission. Um, this is the church devoted to its needs. That's what a family is. Number four, the mission is the point. What is the point? Okay? The mission is the point. When, when I say point, what do I mean? I mean the reason we exist. What's our point? Why are we doing it? Why are we doing this? Why are you here? That's a good question to ask. What's the point? Why am I preaching this? Why? What is the point? 
to have an answer. What Our point is not ours to decide. You ever think of that? Well, as a church, we need to come up with a mission statement. No, we need to discover Jesus's, Jesus's mission statement and the church's mission statement, and then we need to do that. So let's look at that in Luke chapter 4. Okay? Remember, this starts with Jesus, not the apostles or us. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, this is Jesus, the beginning of his ministry. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is his quote from Isaiah. Okay? Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's anointed me. He's appointed me. This is my point. The gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of the sight to the blind, set those who are free, who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He says, this is being fulfilled in your day. I'm the Messiah. This is my point. This is why I'm here. And so he goes and he starts doing this. And guess what happens? People want to change his mission and point. And so a practical thing here in chapter 4, verse 43, he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus kept the point of what he was doing in front of him, and he was led by that, not what everyone else wanted him to do. Amen? Amen? Okay. His point was the poor, the captives, the blind, the oppressed, Summarize that with the good news of the kingdom of God. I'm preaching the kingdom of God. I'm building the kingdom. Um, I must preach the kingdom of God. This is my purpose. The point of our church is not worship of God, though we love worship. It's not doesn't, doesn't end in worship. The point of today is not just worship, though we love to worship, and that's part of our purpose. Um, the point is not good sermons that help my life. People are like, well, I didn't get much out of that sermon. It didn't help my, me a better, be a better daddy to my children. I'm sorry, but the point of the sermon is not to help you be a better daddy. Now, if you obey the Bible, you probably will be one, but that's not the point. Amen? Does that make sense? Um, uh, um, produce better families, a social club where I belong. Please give me some friends, okay? That's why I'm coming. Um, I, you know, singles, there's like, well, where's the best place to meet? A good God, you, gotta, you can't go to the bar, you got to go to church. And while I agree through, the church is not your Christian dating site. Um, okay. Um, okay. Uh, a, a Christmas and uh, a bake sales and potlucks. I love potlucks and bake sales. I love pancake breakfasts. We're having one next week. But that's not the point of our church. Okay. Uh, free therapy. Uh, to solve our emotional problems, okay, uh, et cetera, What's the point? The point is Jesus' point, which is to preach the kingdom of God, to build the kingdom, to take it to the world that needs it, okay? This is the kingdom of God. In the book of Acts, then, we see the kingdom of God break through in the mission. It broke through in Jerusalem. Thousands baptized, okay? All of Judea, it, was, it broke through. And then there's great persecution, okay? And the scattering, and through Philip, and uh, uh, went through Samaria, which was a, a, another section of region, uh, uh, of mission. And uh, um, with great resistance and great cultural upheaval, because we don't like those Samaritans. And matter of fact, then it goes to the Gentile world in Antioch, Acts chapter 11, the first Gentile-based church. And we really, really don't like the Gentiles uh, from a Jewish 
culture. Okay, so there's all kinds of problems, but the kingdom of God kept advancing and breaking through. You want to show that the map? And then from Antioch, we have the missionary journeys. And each one was a little bit further of a ripple, a little bit more breakthrough, more culture, more peoples, more resistance, etc. First missionary journey in black. And then the, the uh, uh, second missionary journey in that light purple. Um, and then uh, third missionary, okay, some going back to cities to strengthen and encourage. And then uh, uh, the voyage to Rome. And it didn't stop there, right? It didn't stop there. It spread to Spain and all over the world. Jesus' purpose, our, the church's purpose in Acts, and our purpose is to go, to go, make disciples. It requires risk, sacrifice, but if we go, we're unstoppable. We're unstoppable, according to Gamaliel and according to what we see. Okay, and lastly, prayer, prayer. Pray unceasingly taps us into this power. I think we started this sermon series in January with prayer. We're going to end it with prayer because we're a house of prayer. And if there's one thing you get from the book of Acts, please get prayer. Amen? Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all with one mind devoted. The first description of the community is this. They continually devoted themselves to prayer. Why? Because, number one, prayer, we slipped from prayer, okay? And we needed to be devoted to prayer. That means disciplined, committed to it. Secondly, we slide from our devotion to it, and we need to recommit ourselves to it, right? That's what always happens. It's okay. They were continually redoing themselves to being a people of prayer. Along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus. How sweet would it be, by the way? It's like, we're going to have a prayer group tonight. Oh, cool. Uh, I, I kind of want to pray with, with Mary, Jesus' mom. And it's like, so, hey, can you tell me a little more? You know, like, did you ever spank him? <laughs> Anyways, it's not the point. Um, and with his brothers. Okay, uh, show, go ahead and show this thing on prayer. Do you have, uh, I don't know if that made it. Okay, no, let me just, here's all the times in Acts. If you want to, all the times they came together in prayer. Acts 1, praying for leaders. Acts 4, praying for persecution. Uh, the boldness, despite persecution, growth resulted. Acts 6, praying for choosing leaders when the widows were neglected. Acts 9, praying for signs and wonders resulting in growth. Acts chapter 10, with Cornelius becoming a Christian, Gentiles becoming Christians. Prayer, prayer surrounded every aspect of the crossing over the gospel to Gentiles. Acts 12, praying for the release of Peter from prison. Acts 13, praying before setting outside uh, missions. Paul and Barnabas, the group, prayed. Acts 14, praying before setting aside new believers in the church as leaders. Acts 16, praying in prison, resulting in the conversion of jailer's household. Acts 20, praying while departing from a church he had planted uh, with the Ephesian elders. Acts 21, praying when companioning Paul to a dangerous situation certain imprisonment for the sake of the gospel. Acts 22, praying and worship and receiving guidance as to future ministry plans. Acts 28, praying for signs and wonders. The church was committed to prayer. How much are we? How much are we? Do we neglect prayer? When we come together as Bible talk, do we pray together? D groups, are we praying together? Church service, are we praying together? Prayer, prayer, prayer. We stop praying, we stop being the church. Are we of men? Or are we of God? We're going to go ahead and take communion.
Are we of men or are we of God? That's the question we got to answer. You got to answer. Are your purposes of men or are they of God? Are your convictions of men or of God? Are what you do is of men or is of God? What you won't do is that of men or of God? How you building your family is that of men or of God? How we are as a church, how we act, what we build on, decisions we make. Are we of men or are we of God? If we are of men, we will fail. But if we are of God, nothing can stop us. Jesus, let's remember him, Jesus was of God. He came from God. He is God. He returned to God. Everything he said and did was by God's direction. Jesus was unstoppable. He wasn't even stopped by death. He was raised by the power of God. He lives today, and he will return by that same power and restore his kingdom in full. Let's be a part of that process in, in joined with him. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the book. Thank you that uh, we've been able to marinate in these amazing times of the first century church. Father, help us to imitate their faith. Help us to learn. Father, the church is not perfect in the book of Acts. Help us to learn from their mistakes. Help us to learn from these things that the Spirit did. Father, we pray to be your church in our generation. We don't want to be of men. We want to be of God. Anything, Father, that is of men in our culture and church right now, Father, I pray you eradicate it and that we can fill it with the Spirit and fill it with the Word, fill it with your will. Thank you for Jesus. Helps to remember him. Helps to clear out whatever we're thinking about going on later today and just calm down and breathe and take in our Lord, our King of Kings, his love his gentleness, his power, his conviction, and uh, um, his desire to draw us close to him. Help us sit in that for a few brief moments while we're his life and death and burial and resurrection and proclaim his name becomes. Pray in Jesus' name.